Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. President Joe Biden is celebrating a win with the passage of the CHIPS bill, which will pour billions of dollars into semiconductor chip industry. But with all its good intentions, is it the right way to give U.S. chip makers the cutting edge? Or is this just another bill in a string of policy failures by D.C. lawmakers? Uh, was really excited this morning, uh, opened up to a story in Politico uh, by Bob Davis. Now, Bob's recently retired from the Wall Street Journal, where he covered U.S.-China relations. He's also the co-author of Superpower Showdown, how the battle between Trump and Xi threatens a new Cold War. And uh, Bob just nailed it in this Politico piece. And we'll start with just the headline of, did Joe Biden just boost U.S. tech or fund a bunch of cylindras. So we're going to look at both sides of this crucial uh, piece of legislation. And Bob, thanks for joining us today. Sure. Happy to be here. Uh, This is a a brilliant piece that I think is uh, evenly measured in terms of uh, what the proper role of government is. I think that's kind of part of the question. Uh, But let's let's start with the new legislation, 52 billion uh, in grants to some of the world's largest and richest computer chip makers. Uh, What's the upside and why does it have uh, both Democrats and Republicans, including folks like John Cornyn, on board? Well, it's uh, 52 billion plus 24 billion in tax breaks. So it's even more money. You know, the reason is um, semiconductors are now kind of the heart of the modern economy. Uh, The U.S. used to be the global leader in every aspect of the uh, of the industry. And it, it no longer is when it comes to manufacturing. Because a lot of that moved to Asia. So the goal is to get some of that manufacturing back to the U.S. And also, uh, in particular, to woo uh, the leader, which is a Taiwanese company called TSMC, to get TSMC to build a, a factory uh, a chip making factory in Arizona, uh, and in that way, presumably, you know, um, help uh, the industry as a whole get more Americans trained in the advanced techniques and so on. So that, that's the hope. The hope is to expand manufacturing in the U.S but at an enormous price, really a remarkable price. Yeah, and there's always more. The $52 billion in grants, the $24 billion in credits, and I'm sure there's a something-something that follows after that, as there usually is. Uh, and uh, you pointed out in your political piece that uh, what we're doing is really this kind of – it's kind of a step back to industrial policymaking. Uh, describe that for our listeners in terms of uh, what we see and uh, what we hope to achieve with that kind of industrial policymaking. Sure, sure. And one thing I should add also, I said all that money, it is an enormous sum of money, but it also is not just the United States. Europe is doing the same. Asia has been doing it for decades. Yeah. I mean, it's hundreds of billions of dollars going to these companies. You know, industrial policy, uh, which basically means using the government, government money, government regulation, government direction to try to um, spur industry, you know, consolidate industry, help industry. I mean, it goes back really, really a long way in the United States. It goes back all the way to Alexander Hamilton, who um, sketched out a plan to encourage manufacturing uh, in the, you know, the brand new United States, which was then an agricultural um, society. And there have been any number of successes. You know, the internet, you know, started as a as a government project. Uh, commercial aircraft were a spinoff from uh, the jet planes used during World War II. 
you know, lots and lots of pluses, but equally there have been lots and lots of losses. Uh, you know, a decades-long effort to create so-called clean coal, um, the, the effort to use nuclear fusion to create, uh, you know, safe and kind of endless energy uh, from nuclear power, uh, Solyndra, which was an effort under the Obama administration to uh, jumpstart uh, solar energy, um, solar cars, basically, uh, electric cars. You know, it was a flop, a huge flop. So there are successes and failures. It goes back and forth. It's usually Republican administrations oppose that sort of thing. Democratic administrations generally support it. Um, this time it's different because you, had a fair, you have a fair number of Republicans, you know, supporting the effort. I mean, some of that goes back to the Trump administration when, uh, you know, the Commerce Department was trying to compete, trying to help the United States compete with China. And some of it is, you know, old-fashioned old kind of um, helping constituents. John Cornyn, who you mentioned, of Texas. Um, Samsung has a giant plant uh, in Texas and is planning another one if they get some more money. Um, but, I mean, Overriding everything is a fear that the United States is falling behind China, and that becomes the rationale for for everything. Yeah. Um, you know, anybody who wants government money uh, points to the threat from China. Yeah, and obviously they do that in terms of both national security and supply chain and uh, things for defense contractors and, and on and on it goes. Uh, and, and one yep. of the interesting things to me, and I, I'd love your perspective on this, of course, the, the critics of, of this kind of policy is it's government picking winners and losers. Uh, I think you made the, the point great in terms of uh, often early on technology, this can be a very helpful part of it. Uh, there's also the flip side of that of sometimes it ends up uh, stifling the innovation uh, because you, you kind of cut out the bottom end of the market uh, that doesn't have a, an army of lawyers and lobbyists. Uh, and so to me, this is one of those of uh, is there a happy medium in this space? Uh, is there are there things we should be looking for to maybe do this kind of policy a little different? Well, I think the, you know, the CHIP Act is one where, you know, the downside, there isn't that much of a downside. I mean, they're not looking to create uh, a, an industry out of whole cloth, right? I mean, right. they're looking to boost Intel and a couple of, you know, other big, big American companies and, and um, you know, uh, entice some foreign companies to move to the U.S. I mean, it's just really expensive, right? And then you have to weigh, is it worth the cost? I mean, that's, that's the kind of calculation. I think a more interesting one, is, uh, which I mentioned in the story, is the solar energy industry, which was another made in America industry, you know, that went overseas. Uh, initially, uh, it was European and, and uh, Japanese competition, but mostly it was Chinese using uh, subsidies as well as, you know, uh, smart uh, manufacturing and so on, but definitely subsidies play the huge role. So, so it is now a Chinese industry. And the effort the question is, is it possible to bring back an industry that has left the U.S.? And the record there is really pretty dismal. Um, you know, there was, you know, I, I write about there was an effort in the Bush administration, the first Bush administration, to bring back color television. That went nowhere. There was an effort in the Clinton administration to bring back small car manufacturing to the U.S. And, and they cut out all the Japanese. This is when Japan was the issue. They cut out all the Japanese companies, and the, and the real winner was Toyota and Honda, which took seriously what the U.S. government was doing and put out 
you know, rushed into development, the first hybrids, the Prius uh, and the Honda Insight. Um, so that one's tough. And in that one, the administration, you know, is a little bit betwixt and between when it comes to solar. They turned down the industry, which wanted a lot of uh, protection uh, through tariffs. Uh, but they also are backing uh, the uh, the newest um, piece of industrial policy legislation, the climate bill, or the I think it's called the inflation. I forget what it's called, but the the climate bill that was negotiated between Senator Schumer and Senator Manchin. That one's tough, and that yeah. one they are taking a fair amount of risk. Yeah, and uh, obviously that gets into a whole host of things uh, that we'll have you back to to dive into in terms of you know how American does the company have to be? Is it really going to American companies? They're also international now. Where's the manufacturing happening? Uh, just fascinating stuff. But Bob Davis, a great, great piece and great perspective, balanced in terms of what we have to look for and what we should be deciding to do as we have this kind of approach to policy. Uh, again, Bob uh, recently retired from the Wall Street Journal and a great author and writer and great perspective on this one today. Bob, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Again, that's Bob Davis. Uh, Again, recently retired from the Wall Street Journal. And, you know, it's so interesting that uh, the Department of Commerce uh, in particular has been making the case, hey, we we would much rather have all of these billions of dollars go to U.S.-owned companies to make sure they get the money. So the innovation really does stay here. Uh, That's becoming increasingly a challenge because just because a, a company has their a headquarters here in the U.S., does that qualify? Uh, do they have one manufacturing plant here? Does that does that work, even if the bulk of their operations are overseas? What does that really look like, and, and is it really going to an American company? And so does that really accomplish the purpose uh, in terms of making sure it's safe, it's secure, we can use it for, for all the things that we need, regardless of what goes on in China or what goes on elsewhere in the world? It's a fascinating discussion, uh, lots to think about, lots to learn. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come. Inside sources. Stick with us on KSL News Radio.